Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Australian Brews News, and thanks to your malt mates at Cryer Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation. Beer is a Conversation is our weekly sit-down with some of the people who make the beer industry the interesting and dynamic thing that it is. And through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the stories behind the business of beer and brewing. This is part two of our special edition of Beer is a Conversation, a chat with Akash's Dave Padden recorded live at Brisbane's My Beer Dealer. Thanks to Antoinette, Matt and Les at My Beer Dealer for hosting us and congratulations on your first year. We will be recording more live chats there, so please let us know how the live chat format translates to podcasts so we can continue to improve how we do what we do. And this is part two of Dave Padden live from My Beer Dealer. The Beer Cartel Craft Beer Survey, for the first time, uh, cans have been more popular than bottles. Um, you see cans everywhere. If, if you walk into my beer dealer um, and look, look in their window, uh, cans are everywhere. What's better for beer, cans or uh, bottles? One thing I won't say to you is one is better than the other because there's too many variables. Um, I'm not, not, not even what type of beer is in the can. I'll yeah. put that aside as well. It comes down to the quality of the packaging line. So a great bottling line will package a hell of a lot better than a shit canning line. So, um, Is it easier to get a good bottling line than a good canning line? Well, they've been around a lot longer. So we're getting better now, but when cans first came out, there were some pretty shitty cans around, right? And there still are. Um, you know, uh, you know I mean, how many of these cans are being tested for oxygen post-packaging and total packaging and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think as long... I think we're getting better and the canning... What's happening now is the cheaper canning lines are getting a lot better. So we're, so I think we're now hitting the point now where you can almost, you know, can almost throw a cover over it and say the cans are better. Uh, but only really recently. Um, I think, you know... And then again... You might have a good canning line, but are the operator, do the operators know what they're doing? There's no different... It takes just as much skill to get the, ro- the product into a can well as it does to brew the beer in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we make no secret of it. We work very closely with... Um, we don't actually have a canning line, believe it or not. So we, we still use and have a great partnership with East Coast Canning because those guys can beer every fucking day. That's what they do. And not only actually, and not only that. Again, if, I don't know if anyone listens to to this podcast or you just here for for today. But I spoke to Chris from East Coast about two years ago, and just his approach came through. Um, he, he's just fastidious. But these guys love canning. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it, <laughs> my brewers, like we we, we every uh, every Friday we have a, a what's called a Brewers W work in progress meeting, right? And we talk about the next week, who's doing what, um, just just so there's expectations around what staff we need and all that kind of stuff. And if when there's canning, and we can every fortnight, so when we can two or three days out of that fortnight, so we can a lot, but um, whenever there's <laughs> a canning day, they're like, their shoulders slump. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, we're going to can. So, but these guys surely love what they do and they're good at it. So, um, you know, we will, we, we will have our own canning line in the future. We've just had the best question. It, was, it would have been one that I wouldn't have asked. Um, 
But it actually confirms the thing that I said off mic, and that is the questions, the hard questions I ask are for the listener who I'm anticipating what they want to know. And the question that you, uh, what was just asked was, how do you feel when you walk into a venue and you taste your beer and it's not as it left the brewery or it's not the beer that you wanted to make? Yes, a very good question. Let me just back that up a step. One of the, one of the things that I've always... One of the things I wish that I could do, whether it's my beer or any beer, is walk into a venue and just drink a beer. Because I don't do that very often. And, it, and quite, whether it's my beer, whether it's someone else's beer, whether it's whatever, I often sort of I don't pull it apart. Well, sometimes I do. But, you know, I'm thinking about what was the brewer trying to do here? Is it, what it what's on the label? Can uh, I, and, and can I be honest with you? That's one of the reasons why I don't judge. I, I, there, mm. There's a lot of professional pressure to be photographed, you know, and on social media judging at AIBAs mm, and mm. indies. And I deliberately choose not to yep. because I want my experience of beer to be closer to the person who reads my thing than, you yep. know, the, 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 the brewer. 100%. And, that, and, and that's something really, I've been working on, right? And it's a really hard thing to do. If it's my beer, I've got no chance. So I will pull it apart. And, and I guess sometimes you've got to say to yourself, well, okay, this isn't what we as a brewery, whether uh, it's one of our core beers, it might be one of the seasonals that, that, that I or one of our other brewers has come up with. And Is it something we did wrong or is it something the venue did wrong? And sometimes that's hard to... And, and then you really got to dig deep and find out and what it is. But you do get to understand what some things taste like. So, you know, is, oh, this, clearly this is, you know, sat on the back of a truck in the sun for three days. You know, some fairly obvious flavours that will come through or... Um, these lines clearly haven't been cleaned in, you know, since they opened. Or there are there are certain flavours you do get used to, and you do um, you do recognise. If it's bad enough, I will say something. It's it's a really deal. I mean, you know, I'm I can be an asshole like anyone, but I'm I'm not generally, right, Andrew. <laughs> And <laughs> so, you know, sometimes that can be a really difficult conversation, but it's a really important one to have. And it may be something, a conversation, you, know, you don't sort of stand at the bar and go, hey, what, you know, what have you done here? Or, you know, it might be a quiet word in the ear of somebody to say, look, pretty sure the beer's okay. I've had it, you know, in various venues of this batch. I'm sure it's fine. Um, we will often go back if there is a problem with the beer, um, you know, and taste um, a, a clean beer that, uh, of that batch just to make sure. Um, but if it's if it's dirty lines, I think we can quite often do the venue a favour by saying, "Look, I think you know when when did you close? I, I can taste something. Um, I've had it." Usually, what you'll find is you'll have a couple of beers, and you'll find the same thing happening across a few different beers, yours, somebody else's, and um, it's not a very pleasant experience. A lot of people don't understand those flavours, um, and we'll have a quiet word in the ear and say, "Look, you know." Can we help you? I mean, it's in our best interest for these guys to have the have the best experience possible. So we'll we'll try and help them out. But really difficult conversation. Like sometimes it's hard to figure out what the problem is. But then it, once we do know, then it's a can can be a difficult conversation. Usually it works out alright. Would you refuse to sell it to a venue if you had multiple ongoing problems with your beer in their venue? One hundred percent. So again, you know, I, I wear two two hats in the business. So um, from a business perspective, you know. Matt, who is uh, one of the one of the owners um, with me, um, we we have a you know we want to make sure that we can sell as much beer as we can and, and to the right people. But both of us will say if it's if it's not in the um, in the interest of you know if people are going to be drinking that beer, 
they're not going to be thinking these are dirty lines. They're going to be thinking this beer is shit. So we, 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 we're both pretty clear on that. Um, without mentioning names, there's been a couple recently where we've said, well, if you're going to handle the beer like that, um, then, we, we, you know, first of all, can we help you? If you're not willing to listen, then, yeah. But mostly they are willing to listen. But there's no point in, in, uh, in customers having a bad experience with our beer. Um, it's not worth, it's not worth the, the sale of the keg. One of the big conversations that have taken place in brewing has been contracts. Um, and it, it is the easiest way to get people on side to say contracts should be outlawed. But when you speak to a lot of publicans, when your business isn't making beer, it's just selling beer, you want the easiest options available quite often. There are a lot of publicans who don't want to educate consumers about new beer styles. They don't want to worry about the latest styles. They just want to pour beer to people that come in and be supported by the people that they buy their beer from. How much should a brewery be willing to work with the venues that are selling their beer to make it easy for them to sell your product? And how much does that limit your ability to um, expand your business because it, it, it's a hard thing to do. When we're saying contracts, tap contracts? Tap contracts, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think as an industry, we're uh, you know, we kind of upon that we, we, we don't like to see tap contracts with, with the big guys, but there's no doubt that there are plenty of contracts around there for, for smaller brewers as well. And, and, and I'll preface that by saying, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I started writing, I'd man the defences against contracts. Yeah, yeah. Until the small breweries started reaching yep. the stage yep. that they could start having contracts too. Yep. So um, I, 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 I don't generally talk about it too much because I th- they're available to everybody if they want them. It's as simple as that. Do you have any contracts? Uh, no, we don't have any actual written contracts. So what we will say to a venue is um, it's important that we don't lock our... And we're not just saying this. It's, it's important we don't lock our beer into a tap when the people don't actually like it. Because at the end of the day... We are, gets back to, we are hard-nosed about what we do. And not everybody loves our beer and we're not, we're not after every, every corner of the market. So there are some venues that our beer won't work in. So what we will say to people is, let's try this beer for six months. There's no written contracts, it's, it's whatever. We might give you a small discount for, for, uh, for taking on a whole bunch of kegs. We appreciate that. It's just a, it's a two-way street. But if the beer doesn't work, let's just walk away. There's no point for either of us in, in having a beer on a tap that doesn't work in a particular venue. So, and, and the way things work is if a beer is popular in a venue, it's going to stay there anyway. Mm. So no, the answer is no. We don't do, we don't do tap contracts as such. Um, next weekend is Indie Beer Day. Are you guys flying the flag for Indie Beer? And what does Indie Beer mean? Ooh, wow. Deep question. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'll preface that because I've seen a lot of stuff in my social media about next weekend is Indie Beer Day, raise a glass to Indie Beer Day, and it has been very much singing to the choir. I haven't heard anything about why anyone who doesn't already care about Indie Beer should care about it, which is, to me, what the day should be about. That's the hard bit, right? I mean, I think it's always been a tough... Yes, I am staunchly independent, and uh, as a brewer, we are. Um, again, Matt, who I mentioned before, uh, who, who is one of our directors is, um, and our sales manager as well, is, is more staunchly independent than any of us. And, 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 that, and as a brewery, we're passionate about that. Um, and it's, really, it's a real difficult 
conversation, as you know, I was on the IBA board as well, was, was part of the group that, that actually made it the IBA from the CBIA as well. So it was, it was a long... It, we are staunchly independent, but sometimes it's a little bit hard to actually explain to somebody outside of the industry what that actually means and why that actually make, makes a difference to them. Did, did you go to the IBA conference this year, the BrewCon? I did not. Oh, you didn't? No. Um, Pete Brown, a very famous beer writer and somebody that everyone should, be, uh, should make yourselves aware of, did a keynote talking about the difference between craft, which means everything and nothing. Depending on so it's one of those words you can endlessly debate because you put as much of yourself into the definition, and he he talked about that, but then he said, well, independence is easy to define, but consequently it means much less. It's a it's a real personal decision. I think I think you know for some people it really doesn't matter, and that's okay. I mean that's fine. Um, you know, we we believe it makes a difference. We believe it, it, it creates. What difference does it make? And, and that, that, that's yeah. the hard question I'm asking. And, and there's so what many facets to it. What does independence give you know, when it's not a mark of quality? Mm-hmm. It's not a mark of anything other than the ownership of, of the, the the brewery. Mm. What does that mean to me as a drinker now and in five years' time? Yep. So for us, it's, it's, it's kind of the, you know, it, it's, it's similar to the, that whole small business attitude. It's, it's about supporting, um, one, supporting Australian business, supporting, um, you know, local producers, supporting your local guys. We do, it, for us, it's a bit of a, it's, it's a marketing thing as well. And I think when, when we talk about the big guys and who aren't independent and the small guys that are independent, it's not about the brewers. Um, you know, some of my best mates are brewers at, at, in, in some of the big guys. And there is good a brewer if not better brewer than any of us um but for us it's it's i guess a lot about the the unfair marketing tactics and sales tactics of some of these guys i'm not really just talking about so yeah yeah tap contracts is a part of that but it's also about the uh the, the ways that they market and and market against the small guys as well so and some and, and and admittedly as i talk about this and as i and as i get more and more passionate about it sometimes i think do we re- uh, we've got to be really careful again with the message that, that that puts across to the guys who are outside of this industry and, and, and difference that it makes to them. But it's a really difficult question to answer. One of the the strong selling points for craft beer is it's local. Uh, Pete and I recently went to the, the US. One of the hop growers actually said hazy IPAs is the best thing that's happened to small local breweries because they don't and shouldn't travel. Mm-hmm. And so they benefit the small independent brewery. But then I hear, hear you, and again, no criticism implied in this, mm-hmm. but you're talking about your beer being consumed in Western Australia. Yep. Should, is or should craft beer be inherently, you know, independent craft beer have a limited distribution to keep those strong independence cues in it? or And, and does it diminish independence when beer is available uh, in much broader communities? Mm. I, I, I think, obviously in the States, they're, they're talking about the hyper-local thing, and, and particularly with hazies, there is no doubt that, um, you know, for us, when we're, you know, we're developing hazies at the moment, um, there's another layer... I'm pretty layer sure the of, last time we spoke, you didn't like hazies. Uh, I, I didn't like... <laughs> I, I, I've been on record to say I didn't like lagers. I've been on record to say... Really, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I'm not sure I said that, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, but, uh, I probably said I wouldn't brew one. I said oh, I yeah. like to drink them, but I don't like. I wouldn't want to brew one. So. As Ben Krause says, he wouldn't <laughs> brew one, but he's got a lot of young brewers that want to. Yeah, exactly. So, and and there's another layer of complexity with those beers, and um, the shelf stability of these thing of these beers is, is quite low. So, um, I think. Um, again, there's another retention I can take this. If I was to open a brewery now, I would definitely not open a... It would be tough to open a, a predominantly wholesale brewery now and, and distribute beers. It, it would be infinitely harder. Um, I think the brew pub model is certainly something that we're seeing a lot more of. And as we see more and more breweries, whether it's here in the States, a lot of them are opening opening as, as smaller. Uh, yeah, they're not as expensive. They're... Uh, they have fewer employees and they don't have to sell as much beer. If you're going to have a local brewery like that, it's going to be, have to be pretty small, um, particularly here in Australia. So if I if I was to say to you, yep, you know what, we're going to we're just going to do a sort of local what we call the Midwest. So we're a little bit out of Marrickville. We we call it the Midwest, um, and just brew beers for that market and be uh, hop forward focused. We we wouldn't sell a lot of beer. Um, so for us, we need to do it. We need to do it. We. Um, I said before that when we started this brewery, we made a decision, what did we want to be? Did we want to be a brew pub or did we want to be a, a wholesale brewery? And we went down the wholesale path first. Um, but we do have our local market as well. So we have a cellar door. And in fact, most um, you know, most distributed uh, breweries will actually have a cellar door as well because it's an important part of the revenue model. But um, we kind of act, we, we opened a small cellar door and I wouldn't say accidentally, I almost said accidentally, but, but over time it's become quite a, 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 a great place for the locals to come and, and hang out. So it's been an important part of our strategy as well. Um, but yeah, we'll, it's, we've made a decision that we want to distribute our dis- Does that make us not independent? Of course not. Uh, we're still you know, fiercely independent. Um, do we have to be local to be that? I don't think so, no. You've collaborated uh, with a terrific uh, brewery. Tell us a little, Hop Nation. Uh, tell us a little bit about: Do you like collaborations, and what what do collaborations add to brewing more generally? Collaborations are really important. Um, it's it's important for our brewers. Um, a little bit like seasonal or limited release beers. I think we we're passionate about our our core range, but we brew a lot. You know, we brew them a lot, right? We brew them every other day. And seasonal releases are important for us to, to keep the creative juices flowing and making sure that we're exploring new, new avenues and those sort of things. But I think collaborations usually gives us the opportunity to work with brewers um, on really something that, and, and sharing of ideas and sharing of knowledge. So we don't do a lot of them. Um, we've only done a handful of brewery to brewery collaborations over time. Um, and there has to be some good reasons to do it. Um, and there also has to be, you know, we, we need to actually brew these beers together. You know, none of this sort of, you know, let's shoot a few you know, ideas around on email and, and we'll brew it and see how it turns out. So um, the, the conversation started up in here in, in Queensland um, to perhaps we could do some collaborations together. And so in how fact, how'd that happen? Because you're in Sydney and they're in Melbourne. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we've got two, uh, two very... Brisbane is the best place to be uh, of thinking course, a bit. Everything should happen up here. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> two very passionate um, salespeople up here in, in Queensland. One, uh, Andrew, who works... Oh, and a bar manager. And lots of passionate people up in <laughs> Queensland. Um, yeah, discussing Australia's ideas best, of... Australia's uh, best you know, beer publication is based we, What's that, sorry? Australia's best beer publication is based 100%. And if ever you need anything, always come to Brews News. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
So, you know, there were, there was discussions around, should we do an event together? Should we do, we do a collaboration together? Should we, you know, and um, we got to know each other as breweries over time. Um, and they're two breweries that have similar but different um, strategies or, or brands, if you like. We, talk, we spoke about brand earlier. Um, yeah, we're both quite hot forward breweries. We do other things, but both of us are very quite hot forward. But um, you've got Hop Nation who focus very much on the hazies. And and Akasha, who who has focused very much on West Coast, and that's where our passions lie. So, um, how can we bring those things together and do something really cool? So, 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 so talk to me because once upon a time it was East Coast versus West Coast, yep. and you have said, "Well, you're West Coast, and they're hazy." Yeah, so, talk talk to us about the whole evolution of that. I think East Coast, yeah, it's, it's it's East Coast for me. Ten fifteen years ago meant a very um, a very dark, uh, usually quite malt, crystal a malt, malt driven, um, less hoppy um, IPA. So that's why I don't use East Coast um, because it, yeah, it, it, East Coast a, for me. a little bit closer to the English IPA, yeah, but with 100%. a little bit more of an American hop usage. Yeah, but still a little bit restrained, right? Mm. So there's still plenty of, 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 and that's where a lot of IPAs and pale in Australia were until very recently, a lot more sort of malt focus, a bit darker, a bit more crystal malt, uh, a little bit less hops. So for me, that's East Coast sort of sits, still sits in my head as, as those sorts of beers. So I tend to distinguish the two. You don't see much of that around anymore. There's not many people drinking. You know, crystal malt has been pulled out of pretty much every IPA in the world these and days. And then it went all West Coast. Yep, went all West Coast. So is that what excited you? Absolutely, yeah. So, and we, we would still say that we focus on West Coast, um, it, and that's where I'm... When we, even, even West Coast itself has morphed over the last 10 years, again, very lighter malt bases, lower bitterness. I think uh, 10 years ago, a West Coast IPA was ripping the, you know, ripping the enamel off your teeth in terms and it of was, the, and, the bitterness. And that was the excitement. It was almost yeah. like pushing boundaries because to get noticed... You needed to strip the enamel off the teeth. You needed yep. to sort of, you know, squint a little bit to uh, to get it down. One hundred percent. But um, I think we realised after a few years that the drink, you know, getting back to drinkability, really wasn't there, and um, people just wanted to back that off. So even even though we we would say we predominantly focus on West Coast IPAs, there's a little bit of, you know, here and there from both camps. So we have backed the bit in itself quite a lot these days. But again, it, get back, it gets back to that balance. So um, you still need that bitterness there to balance out the beer, but not too much that that's all you get. So what's a hazy then? So New England, hazy, juicy, what's the difference between those three? Are they the same thing? Are they just interpretations? So the hazy is, which, which where most people talk about East Coast now is what, what people are talking about, um, is extreme low bitterness almost i mean some people will say no bitterness but it's not no if we had no bitterness we'd have quite a sweet beer and even some of them are quite sweet but bitterness is extremely low hazy um again this is something that cloudy cloudy it's hazy, hazy yeah. whatever whatever you want to call it um you know we've worked for years on on perfecting nice clear beers <laughs> <laughs> without without the use of filters or findings, but um, so. But but then that, that that's the thing. Like as I like to say, we're always going to wear trousers. Some years they're going to be flares. Some years they're going to be stovepipes, and we've become very good at making beer clear. So look, let's appeal to people and make a little bit hazy. Mm. Oh, a little bit of hazy is doing well. 
Let's make it really hazy. Yep. Let's make it look like mango juice. And is this? And is that? I think that's where the American IPA was, and the West Coast IPA was ten years ago. I'm sure the very first ones that were brewed were, were relatively low bitterness, and then it's like let's make this like extreme. So there is definitely, I think, the hazy has gone that way. The hazy IPA started with Hetty Topper, and Hetty Topper is 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 slightly probably about the same haze as the the one we're drinking today, which we'll see. I think it's the next beer, but um, it's not like that sort of pea soup haze. But it's it's for any you talk to uh, the brewers at Hetty Topper, um, and they don't actually talk about haze. It's just a byproduct of what they're brewing. For them, it's they, a, they, it's they, a, they wanted it, a flavour, and to get that flavour, it looked a certain. They way. just didn't. They wanted to keep as much hop flavour in this beer as possible. So very very heavy dry hops, very very low bitterness, and um, a byproduct of that was haze. Talk to me about milkshake IPAs. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is okay. So, so we're recording this on the nineteenth of October, uh, twenty nineteen. Will you ever make a milkshake IPA? <laughs> oh dear, um, milkshake IPA. So, no, I will no. not. I will not make a milkshake IPA. Um, sorry, Matt. Sorry, everyone in the brewery. Um, and I'm sure... Until <laughs> June 2020, when suddenly everyone's drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's our top-selling, you know, <laughs> core release. So, and again, one of, the, one of the aspects... So where hazies have gone, obviously, they're, they're now very, very, very thick haze. Um, they're also very um, body-driven. So a lot of the modern hazies are now... Um, have quite a lot of body to them. And very thick, luscious mouthfeels. And what, where... We, we do see a lot of the hazy brewers adding um, lactose, not so much for a milkshake, but, but, but to add body. And obviously, yeah, pumping up the lactose to make milkshakes is, um, again, something that's followed pretty much quickly from that, whether it's making the haze really strong, lots of lactose. I had the absolute privilege of interviewing Phil Sexton this week as he announced he was rejoining um, well taking over the Matilda Bay brand. Exciting times. But he's making beers that 40 years ago, 30 years ago, um, in fact, uh, 1984, he's making beers that 40 years ago were popular. So it's kind of like bringing back tie-dye. Is Alpha Pale Ale going to be on there? Well, uh, yeah, Alpha is one of them. Great beer. Dog Bolter and uh, Redback. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, Boho uh, Pills, a Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he, he talked about things like milkshake IPAs and sort of said, well, like, you know, it's basically Alcopops. I, I, I see the fun, mm. but I don't want to make them, you know, mm. but, but you, 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 it, it's not beer. Um, it, it, it is, part of me is old man yelling at Cloud. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I get that. Is it Be- ironic there's a beer, Hazy IPA? I, I, yeah, no. <laughs> Beautifully named, and it's going to fall foul of ABAC. I... <laughs> um, Let's not go there today. Oh, unless you want to, of course. No, I don't think we need to. It's uh, <laughs> consuming my life at the moment. But on, on one hand, I absolutely understand what he says when he sort of says the craft of brewing is making beautiful flavours from malt, water, hops and yeast. But then, and, you know, but, but you, you look at some of the incredible things that are coming out at the moment that are fun and are creating excitement and is good for the category, 
But is it really beer and brewing or is it some other space? Can you put pastry stouts in that camp as well? I'm, I'm happy to throw them out as well, yeah. <laughs> throw them out or throw them into the mix? No. <laughs> same. Well, well, I'm, but, I'm, I'm happy to put them in the same bin. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I'm really, really wary of beers that... Uh, yeah, if, if a beer is taken so far away from what beer is, we take all the bitterness out, we take all the flavour, you know, and, and we're left with something but that doesn't taste like beer. But pastry stouts are coming from, you know, like Young's Double Chocolate Stout or Holgate Temptress, you know, which had... Uh, and, and I did, you know, 15 years ago, I got really excited. I'll taste this beer. Yeah. You can taste the chocolate and the vanilla and yeah. things like that. And, and, and it was what was exciting. And there, there has been an arms race to see who can make the most ridiculously skewered version of those style of beers. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can get it too far away from beer. It's absolutely correct. And I think, um, and yeah, Young's Double Chocolate Sad. Again, I remember tasting that for the first time thinking, wow, this is great, but it's still a beer. Mm. It's still a beer with some, with, with some other components added yep. to it. And I don't think, um, I certainly wouldn't put anything, you know, adjunct beers are great. So beers with other things added to them. But I just think, you know, if we take them too far away from what beer actually is, yeah, that's great. If people want to drink them and people want to make them, so be it. So what's but the greatest prob- abomination? <laughs> <laughs> For me, and I, I, I didn't bring up pastry stouts by accident, Matt. <laughs> and I think, yeah, so I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the, of the pastry stout thing. And I think, you know, yeah, a sweet stout's great. A few adjuncts here and there are great. But, um, and again, it's just, that's me. Yep. If people want to brew them, and people are going to buy them, that's great, that's fine, but it's just not my thing. But I, I love, um, and I think he listens, but uh, Peter Weldon from um, Corumban Valley Brewing, he made bubblegum, uh, the, the bubblegum beer, which won gabs um, and because it just blew everyone's mind. And he is, in, when you speak to him about it, he's almost ashamed <laughs> of the success of that beer because... They made it as a novelty. They wanted something that, and it's got everything that a brewer doesn't, you know, want to put in a mm, beer. Yep. But he says, said, you know, it put us on the map, and that to me is the where the, the industry is at. Yep. Um, and, and, and all power to him for for the success of that beer because it was so much interesting creation, and it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah. And, and brewing nows that went into making a beer that tastes like hubba bubba bubble <laughs> grape hubba bubba bubble gum. Yeah. Um, and all power for the promotion they've got. But as he says, like it's, it's overwhelmed the beers that they would otherwise want yeah. to make. What, what about my double IPA? Yeah. So, yeah. And, it comes, and he makes an awesome double IPA. Exactly, but I, haven't, I, I don't hear anything about it. So um, is that a good thing? I think, look, it certainly can't help um, as a branding exercise, but what is that? And I keep going back to it is, is what, it, what does your brand represent and what are you known for? Um, and that's what's, what, what you need longer term is, yep, that'll be around for a while and uh, the bubblegum beer, and that's great. And, it, and I, to be honest, I haven't had it, so I, don't, I can't comment too much on that. But It's on tap just outside. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some in here. <laughs> now, but, this, but you, know, it's, you know, I am on social media and I see it everywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's millions potentially millions of people that would not have heard of these guys otherwise so um, which is great so with collaborations is it about market expansion it, like is it about growing your market or is and have you had success through, success through your collaborations yes and no predominantly it's about um, 
for us, collaborations are something that we really want to do um, as a brewery, as a bunch of brewers, and and work with. Um, you know, this is a market. So this, most of the markets that, that both our breweries. So if we take the Hop Nation exa- as, as an example, we both work in pretty much the same markets. We're not looking at expanding too much. I think they're a great marketing opportunity. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I think they're great stories to talk about. We haven't spoken too much about where where we went. Yeah, we we brewed. Um, yeah. We're known for West Coast. Those guys are known for hazy or East Coast styles. And we thought it'd be really cool that, you know, those guys came up to our brewery and brewed, um, you know, showed us the ropes and brewed an East Coast. And we went down there and brewed a West Coast. And it's got a great story behind it. Um, all the brewers were excited about it. Um, you know, we went to both states to brew the beers. Um, will we get a, yeah, we'll get a little bit of noise about it. And it certainly can't help our, uh, can't hurt our marketing, but it's certainly not, for us about breaking into new markets or anything like that, we'll, we'll certainly break into a new market on the back of our own brands. But we won't do it for the sake of that. We'll do it because it's pretty cool and we want to do it. Um, there is a little... We don't have... You know, we, there's a, a level of self-indulgence in that in, in, in that we really enjoy doing it. Um, but, um, yeah, I think people like to hear those stories anyway, right? If, if you've got two breweries that um are really excited about something that's pretty infectious and people 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 jump on that bagwing so it's really great that's a, that's a really great type of marketing so do you find that uh, collaboration approach is a hark, harking back to your days as a home brewer yeah absolutely and when we when we started the the western sydney home brewers you know 12 years ago whatever it was um it's about getting a bunch of people together that are as passionate as each other and like it's it's really quite sad to me when, you, when i think about it but it's um yeah all hanging out talking about beers um it's exactly the same because there is an uh, you know going back to the to the the club we just did or the clubs that we do do um there's an there's an education element to that as well um it, it needs to be said that none of us are, are, are masters of this game yet we're all still learning we're all still trying to figure things out um, and it's an important part of both the craft brewing community and the home brewing community, or the independent brewing community, whatever we want to call it, is that we're, we're passing knowledge between each other, and thankfully we're, we're still doing that as, a, as, as an industry as well, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, I've, I've never really thought about that, and it really is 100% like that. It was, as a home brewer, getting together with, with 10, 15 guys around the table... How'd you brew that? You know, what did you do? Talk about your methods. Talk about your ingredients. Oh, I've never heard of that hop. That's awesome. Go home and try it the next week. Yeah, you're exactly right. Having come up through the home brewing community, are you still actively involved in the Western Sydney brewers? And do you invite them into the the, the brewery to do what you do? Yeah, and I think I think the question was also like, do we? I have I guess home brewers in general into the brewery, but um, yeah, absolutely. I think we, there's no doubt when, when this industry started in the states and and, and in Australia, a lot of people came from a home brewing background um you know 10 15 years ago we didn't have a pool of experienced brewers to to choose from so we you know home brewing was actually a step up from from no experience at all we've now there was no education 15 you know but we had a couple of obviously university courses um we've now got many different options for people to 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 learn um yeah for formal education but there wasn't that back then, and so it was a really important part, and it still is. So we still have a lot of our brewers who, a new brewers, started off as home brewing. So um, we, um, a lot of the things that we do in the brewery, we do with our, our customers. Um, so we have, I think there's two, maybe three, home brew competitions that we we run with our customers. Um, we just did one last week with the um, the the Aussie and the Rocks. 
Um, so we have a homebrew competition. Um, they submit their entries. Um, all our brewers get together and judge them, and um, and then they, they actually come in and brew uh, on our pilot brewery. So, um, and we we still learn stuff from them as well. You know, as a home brewer, you're so much more agile to use new ingredients and and try new ways of doing things. And we're still learning from those guys ways to do things. Um, and we always say to home brewers, you know, oh, we quite often get asked, "Oh, I really like your um, Corbin DWIPA. Can you tell us what's in it?" I said, well, I'm not going to tell you how to brew it, but here's a few. You know, we're pretty open. Um, We're also part of the TAFE, so the Sydney TAFE course for brewing. We're one of the practical components. So we get brewers, um, you know, students come in and they, you know, they see our recipe sheets and we we don't hide that from any of them. So it's, um, but we say to them, you know, brew it, um, send it in, bring it in, we'll taste it. We'll give you some directions and, you know, where to head and that sort of stuff. So... Homebrewing will continue to be an important part of our industry. First of all, congratulations to uh, Matt Nand and my beer dealer and happy first birthday. And uh, thank you for... Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much for hosting uh, what, is, what I think has been an awesome conversation as part of uh, my beer dealer's first birthday. Um, and especially thank you, as I said at the, uh, you know, at the beginning, the Dave Patton's a great chat because you never, you're not going to die wondering what he's thinking. Um, and, and it makes a great conversation. So Dave, it's awesome to finally get a chat on tape um, and uh, talk through these. And uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again before too much longer. But thank you for joining us uh, for Radio Brews News. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure, mate. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener, And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover, because beer is a conversation.